Hey, good morning. So good to see you. Good to see you in the balcony there. Give the balcony a wave. Hey, hey, hey. Now, the past two weeks, we have been in the series that we've called This Is Us. And um, it's been a moment for challenging us as we focus in on who we are as a church. And you remember the first week I spoke to you and talked to you about the fact that we are people who welcome without judgment. And then last week, Andy came with a fantastic word that um, I'm sure will live with many of us when he talked about the fact that we live without condition, unconditional love. Now, this morning, I want to finish this off with a subject that has been, uh, that has to be faced because we do tend to judge, and it has to be faced because we do tend not to love without condition. We tend to put condition on our love very often. And we have to talk about the subject that I'm going to talk to you about because we find it difficult to forgive. And really, really difficult to forgive without limit. Because who are we? This is us. We are people who forgive without limit. Now, I'm going to go to the Gospel of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter 6. And uh, if you remember that chapter, that's the chapter that carries what we've called the Lord's Prayer. And And I want to zero in on that chapter a little this morning and a few other chapters as well. This will be more like a Uh, a mini Bible study this morning more than a preach, but it's important that you see that what I'm saying is grounded in the Word of God. And um, and so Matthew chapter 6, and you read first of all verse 12, where Jesus said this, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So what Jesus is saying here is that the way that we forgive others is the measure that God will use when he comes to forgiving us. So how many know this is an important subject? And, um, and, and, and the fact is this, you know, that forgiving others and God forgiving us are inseparable. It's like, it's like, Us forgiving others and God forgiving us are joined together. They are inseparable. And you can't have one without the other. And it always begins you when it comes to talking to us. It starts with us forgiving others and then God forgiving us. And it's important that you see it's that way around. Look at verse 14 of Matthew 6. And Jesus is still speaking and he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. Serious stuff. He didn't stop there. He goes on into verse 15, and he says this, that if you, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. How many know that when the Bible puts something out there three times, it's rubbing in the truth, It is saying to us, hey, ladies and gentlemen, this is no small deal. This is one big deal. Uh, And when something is repeated twice in the Bible, I sit up and I say, I've got to take notice of this. But when it's said three times, you had better take notice because there are usually consequences attached to what is being said. And Jesus said it three times. So get this this morning, every 
habitual, unforgiving person at this moment is not a citizen of heaven. Oh, now, how many know that's serious? Now, let me tell you again that every habitually unforgiving person at this moment is not a citizen of heaven. Now, I want you to put your hands up on this. Those who have um, a trouble forgiving people who have hurt you, who have let you down and trample all over your love. How many people have a real difficulty forgiving? Come on, be truthful. See, so, uh, this morning, I'm not talking to people or about people who are trying to forgive, but you're continually let down. You're trying to forgive, and the people that you're trying to forgive are continually now letting you down. I, I, I'm not talking about people who are in the process of trying to forgive family or friends or workmates, but it's really, really hard. Now, how many would say, I'm in that group, <laughs> I, I, I know I have to forgive, I know it's on my mind, I have to forgive, but it's really, really hard. How many uh, would say, yeah, that's where I'm at? But this morning, I'm talking about people who refuse to forgive, they are saying, I will not forgive. I'm talking about those kind of people. Those kind of people who say, I, I know I should forgive, but I'm not going to do it. I refuse to forgive. Well, if you have an unsettled pattern of not forgiving, you are holding on to unforgiveness for someone. You refuse to get it right. Well, I'm sorry, you are just not a Christian. I, I, now, now, don't kill the messenger, right? <laughs> a sign you are a Christian is that as I tell you this this morning and you're carrying unforgiveness, everything within you is saying right now, oh no, I, I know I, I just have to get this right. If you're really a follower of Jesus, you are saying, I can't let this go. I've got to get it right. But if you are here and you're saying, I don't care what you say. I don't care what anyone else is saying. I'm not going to get it right. Then I'm sorry, you're just not a Christian. If you say, well, that's just how it's going to have to be. Because I refuse to forgive this person then it proves my point. You're not a Christ follower. And it might come hard to you this morning, but you just aren't a Christ follower. Look at Mark chapter 11 in your Bible. Mark chapter 11, Jesus speaking again. And, and um, how many know that when, when the type in the Bible is in the red, you've got to take notice it means Jesus is speaking. <laughs> if you've got that kind of Bible... But how many know when you are reading the words of Jesus, you're reading the Word of God? He is God manifest in the flesh. Matthew 11, Mark 11, I should say, verse 25. Listen to what it says. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Hey, hey, it's saying again, isn't it, that I forgive and God then forgives. How many know that's a great praying position to be in? When your hands are clasped, you're saying, God, I'm forgiven, and God says, and I'm forgiving you. Oh, it's a great place to be. I forgive others. God forgives me. <laughs> now, when we were worshiping this morning, I was looking around. I'm sorry if you say, was he just checking to see if I was here or what? No, I, I was doing that on purpose because this morning as we were worshiping, I was peeping. <laughs> and um, 
I never saw anyone. I never saw anyone leave the building or go across the room to go to someone to say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Or I forgive you for what you did to me. But this is what Jesus is saying here, isn't it? He is saying, when you pray, he says, when you pray, whenever you stand to pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Jesus is saying that we need to do this. And if we don't, then we won't be forgiven our trespasses. See, friends, it's serious stuff. Because if you're not prepared to get the unforgiveness thing sorted, then I'd be very careful how you drive home. Hey, don't die before you get things right. Because you refuse to forgive people their wrongs against you is to cause God to say, I'm sorry, if you can't do that, I can't forgive you and you're on the road to hell. Hey, again, I'm only being the messenger here today, but this Bible of mine is telling me very forcible, forcefully this stuff. And these words are coming from Jesus himself. Now hear me right, friends. You're not saved by forgiving, but save people forgive. All right, let me tell you that again. You're not saved by forgiving. The only way you're saved is by Jesus forgiving your sins at the cross. You're not saved by forgiving, but save people forgive. And if you say, I'm not, I'm refusing to forgive, you're saying, I'm not really saved. I've not really taken in what God has forgiven me for. See, what it's saying is not a a problem for people who are really following Jesus wholeheartedly. They know that they just can't carry unforgiveness. People who have never met and fallen in love with Jesus, they're people who couldn't care less what the Bible says. And they carry on unforgiving, and not only unforgiving, but they seek revenge. Because they're not following Jesus, you see. But when you are following Jesus, it's what we do. It's who we are. This is us. We are people who forgive without limit. Even when it's hard. Even when it hurts. Even when it seems continual. I'm having to forgive that person over and over and over. It it gets really, really hard. I'll give you another scripture, Luke chapter 17 and verse 14. I I, I should say verse 4. Luke 17 verse 4 says, If your brother or sister sins against you seven times a day, then seven times in a day return to, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent. The word repent means I'm sorry. You shall forgive him or her. Even if your brother sins against you seven times, says Jesus, seven times a day. Then seven times in a day, they come back and say, I'm sorry, I I hurt you, I let you down, I said this, I did this. Then Jesus says, you forgive them even if it's seven times a day. What Jesus was saying is, there's no limit. That's what is meant by seven times a day. See, friends, listen, I can't can't water it down. I can't make it less um, emphatic. The fact is this, Jesus commands us to forgive. He commands forgiveness. Say it with me. Jesus commands. 
Now, if you feel it difficult to say those words, then I challenge you to submit to the Word of God and say them. You say, well, you don't know what I'm handling, you don't know what I'm going through, you don't know what it's been like, you don't know I've been hurt, you don't know, you don't know, and I don't know, and I, I sympathize in all that you've had to go through. But the fact is this, say it with me again, Jesus commands us to forgive. And a refusal to do so, I, I want to tell you, friends, it has serious eternal consequences, and you just say, well, John, no, Jesus, Jesus wouldn't do that. He wouldn't send me to hell for not forgiving. Well, you're just incorrect. Because Jesus commands us to forgive. You know, if there was a fire in this place, and, and uh, we thought we had one a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, all ended up on the parking lot. But if there was a fire in this building and you were walking around and just acting as if nothing was seriously wrong, I would shout at you. I would want you to see you need to seriously leave the building right now. We haven't got a fire. Don't go anywhere. All right. And Jesus knows there's a serious possibility of you ending in hell because of your refusal to forgive. And he challenges, and he challenges, and he says, you are playing around with eternal hell fire here, and you need to listen, is what Jesus is saying now, I don't know if this will work, but is there anyone out there right now that could give me a, a, a hundred dollar bill? Uh, no, I'm serious. If, have you got a hundred dollar bill? Surely, have you got a hundred dollar bill? All right. Okay. All right. Oh, well, we got, well, I'll take Shirley's here. Can... Someone bring it up. Oh, it's coming down. It's being passed down. Make sure it gets up here. Don't let it stop. <laughs> Thank you. This sermon just got worth its while. Thank you, Shirley. Love you. How many here today feel that I should return this to Shirley? Oh, not everybody, Shirley. <laughs> How many say, hey, you've got it, Pastor, keep it? <laughs> oh, yeah, I see that hand. What if I forget to give it back and I suddenly remember and I go and see Shirley and I give it back? Well, then I've released her from the prison of holding a grudge and feeling unforgiveness and feeling I can never trust my pastor again. If I suddenly remember and I return it now, I'm releasing her from the whole thing of unforgiveness. But what if I never remember to give it back to her? But she makes a decision. She makes a decision to forgive me anyway and not allow feelings of grudge and feelings of unforgiveness to get a hold of her. She is, in fact, releasing herself from the prison of unforgiveness. And surely it would be worth the hundred dollars just to get rid of that feeling of unforgiveness. But I promise you, I'm going to give it back to you. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is like breathing to you. It's what we do. It's who we are. This is us. We forgive without limits. Do you know, I'm going to get this back to Shirley in case I do forget. Can you give that? 
In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus begins to talk about this again. And in verse 15, he says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the whole church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen or a tax collector. Again, due respect to any tax collectors here this morning. (laughs) Well, he caused the disciples to stop and think when he said that. And Peter, you know, Peter was always the one that opened his mouth and put his foot in it. And, and, and he, he asked a question of Jesus, thinking that he's really spiritual. He says in verse 21 there of Matthew 18, he says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. See, Peter, Peter knew the Old Testament, and he knew in the Old Testament there's not much said about forgiving people. There's not much said about this whole subject of unforgiveness. It was a world of uh, well, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He knew that the Pharisees said, you missed your moment there. All right. He knew that the Pharisees said, If you miss my message on judgment, you need to go back and find out why they're grrring, all right? He knew then, the Old Testament said very little about unforgiveness. When he comes to the Pharisees, he said, let's get better. Let's get better than Old Testament times. And they said that we would forgive three times. And so now he says, I want to be a bit more spiritual than the Old Testament and a bit more spiritual than the (laughs) you-know-whos. And so he said, double three and add one more for good fortune. We'll say seven times. But then Jesus dropped a bombshell by saying, no, 70 times seven. Verse 22. And listen, he wasn't saying you need to keep count and when you reach 490, hit them in the mouth. He wasn't saying that. (laughs) What are you saying is this, friends? It's just as your heavenly Father is ready to forgive you whenever you sin against him, no matter how many times that you sin and come and repent and say, I'm sorry, your heavenly Father is ready to forgive you your sin. He's not keeping count, so you don't keep count either. And he says, I'm not telling you 490. What I'm saying is, you never stop forgiving. You keep on forgiving your brother or sister who sins against you. You never stop forgiving. Even when it's hard, even when it's hurting. Because forgiveness is not about counting. It's not about counting how many times people do wrong. Well, the disciples still didn't get it. And so Jesus tells a story in verse 23 of Matthew 18. He said, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's about 20 years wages back then, friends. So this guy owed a lot. Say, that's a lot. Yeah, he owes a lot. So read on verse 25. But as he was not able to pay, 
his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. That was Old Testament law. That's what the Old Testament law demanded anyone that was not paying uh, their debts. But look what happened, verse 26. This servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. He could never have paid it. It was a debt that was unpayable. What an amazingly kind and compassionate thing for the king to do. He needn't have done that, but he made a choice. He chose to forgive him and release him from his debt. But look what happened next. But that servant went out, the one who had just been forgiven his debt, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands upon him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me. I will pay, pay you all. But he would not, but went and threw him into prison that he should pay the debt. He never got to feel the forgiveness that forgiveness is something that we choose. It's a decision we make. It is a a choice that we make. And although he had been forgiven much, he chose to hold this man by the throat for a meager couple of Starbucks cards. And he goes further The guy even pleaded for compassion and time to pay, but he threw him into prison. Listen, it wasn't that he couldn't forgive, it was that he wouldn't forgive. Oh, he could have forgiven, but he chose not to forgive. Well, the word got back to the king about this and and what this guy had done, and the king sent for him, and, and read what happens, verse 32 of Matthew 18. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgive you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. And listen what Jesus says, so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. You know, growing up, when my my brothers and I would have a falling out, my mother would say, now say sorry to your brother. And I would say, sorry. And then she'd say this, now shake on it. I've just said sorry. Well, if you're going to argue with me, shake on it and give him a hug. And there would be this quick handshake and... uh, No, in forgiveness, listen, Jesus says, he says, it's got to be from your heart or it means nothing. Yeah, that's what Jesus said. Let's sum up here what we're getting to this morning because at Riverside, this is us. This is what we do. We forgive without limit. By the way, Is there anyone here this morning that's lacking opportunity to forgive? Um, Is there anyone not having enough offenses done against you? Is there anyone here this morning has not enough things to forgive? Because if you have, meet me afterwards and I'll introduce you to some people who will be wonderfully equipped to offend you. Uh, And... um, (laughs)
I meet them every week. Now, you may be wondering, like Peter in the Scripture this morning, if there's a way out of this. Is there a way that I don't need to forgive? Is there a crime that is too big to forgive? Make a note of this. Forgiveness is always the way. And not only that, it's the only way. All right, I'm going to say that again. Forgiveness is always the way. Forgiveness, it's the only way. Now, you may rationalize, and some of you are doing it already. You're rationalizing that it's okay for you not to forgive. Now, let me introduce you to Gertrude. Now, I, I, I think I picked this up out of a box of soft toys, and, and this actually belongs probably to one of my grandkids. And, and they're going to have to forgive me because all I wanted to do was do this. All right, Gertrude. I want you to understand, you know, I've been around many people who have had bad test results, and um, they've been told that they have a tumor. Listen, friends, what a tumor or a cancer is in the physical sense, unforgiveness is in the spiritual sense. All right, all right, now I, I want you to get this. What a tumor or a cancer is in a physical life, that's what unforgiveness is in a spiritual life. What if I rationalize and I said, well, I'll, I'll deal with it. I would deal with it, but it's too big. In the physical sense, isn't it? The bigger it is, the sooner you want to get rid of it. The bigger it is, it is that you're not going to play about with it. You're saying, can I have surgery today? Can I get it done today? Can I get this done now? You don't put it off. But we rationalize and say, well, you know, the thing that's been done against me is so big. And then we rationalize and we say, I can't forgive because I can't forget. Well, how's that going for you? When I can forget about it, I will forgive. But it's a cancer. It's a tumor of your spiritual soul. Hey, it's like that tumor. It's going nothing, nowhere until it's dealt with. Have you heard this one? Well, you know, I will forgive, but I'm, I'm not doing anything. Time will heal it. And so you pretend it's not there. How often have we heard people in the physical sense, they get to the doctor and they say, you've left this too long. It's not getting better the more that you are giving it to time. And so you try to pretend that it's not there, but then you run into that person in the store. Although you don't run into them because you see them and then you go around the other way and pray you'll not bump into them. Or at the mall and... and and, and God forbid a church, you've even started sitting on a different side of the church so you don't have to run into them. Or even you may now come to another, the second service instead of the first or the first instead of the second because you don't want to run into that person that you just won't forgive. Time won't heal it. You've got to deal with it. 
And then how about this other one where we rationalize? I'll forgive when they say they're sorry. So you're going to be a prisoner of unforgiveness until they do something. That's crazy. Get rid of it. Are you going to, you know, years of suffering on earth because you can never carry unforgiveness and feel right. You can never carry unforgiveness and have a settled peace within your spirit. No, 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 with unforgiveness, you've got to deal with it. Hey, listen, if you want to be old and angry and miserable, carry on carrying unforgiveness. But if it is that you want to get old and you want to be sweet and precious, never, ever carry unforgiveness. Get it out and get rid of it. Now, I'm not going to throw it, but you get rid of it. Make a choice. Make a choice to not be offended and to be unoffendable. If someone hurts you, get it put right with them quickly. If that doesn't work, take it to God. But always make the choice to forgive. Don't let the evil, deadly disease get further into your life. You saw the king forgive the debt of the first guy in the story. His debt, listen, his debt was 6,000 times bigger than the debt that he refused to forgive in his servant. The first guy owed so much, he could never pay it back. It was beyond his possibilities of paying it back, but the king forgave him. And listen, friends, we owed a debt to God that was too big for us to pay. We owed a debt that was beyond our reach. We owed a debt that we could never, ever pay back. Our sin was going to damn us to hell forever and ever. But God chose to forgive us. Died on the cross because of the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. He forgave our debt. He canceled our debt. How many here today and you say, I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. When you've been forgiven such a debt as that, when you've been forgiven by God like that, you can never ever carry unforgiveness. going to put a picture on the screen. Can you put that picture up right now? Who, wrote, who, who painted that? Da Vinci. You know the story which has been proven to be a true story says that when he came to paint the face of Judas and Judas as you look at that is over on your left he's got his elbow on the table when, when Da Vinci came to paint Judas, he had recently had a falling out with a friend. And so he painted his friend's face on Judas. And then the story is that now he comes to paint the face of Jesus and he can't get it right. He tried for weeks and weeks and months to get the face of Jesus right. He couldn't get it right. And the painting lay unfinished for an, an enormous amount of time. Until one day he came to him. I've got to forgive. And he went and found the guy that he painted on that picture. And, and he said, I want you to forgive me. I've held this against you. That happened, that happened, and I... I and the guy embraced him and said, I, forget, I forgive you. He came back to the painting, and now he painted an anonymous face on Judas. And he went to paint the face of Jesus. 
And the story is, it was the best painting of Jesus' face that had ever been painted. I know that out there in the world, they can carry unforgiveness and not care a lick about it. But we're different. We are people who forgive without limit because we've been forgiven without limit. Don't give him half a clap. Give him a full clap if you're going to do it. I believe that there are people here today, going to be here today, that need to get this thing right. It's got to start at the altar. Then there needs to be some meetings, there needs to be some phone calls, there needs to be some email writing, there needs to be some getting together for coffee. people that have hurt you and let you down or maybe you've hurt someone and you've let them down and you've locked them into a prison of unforgiveness unless they've forgiven you you still need to go and get it right I want to tell you when I did the sermon on judgment in the weeks that I was doing that sermon I was so tried in that area of judgment And with this unforgiveness thing, I've even said to the Lord, why on earth did you tell me to preach this? I'm being tested like crazy on it. And I have to tell you, I've had to go to some people and I've had to call some people around the world. Some of them couldn't even remember what I did, but I've carried it. Because I've come to see I can't. I can't preach this stuff and not live this stuff. And I I come before the Lord and I say, God, I don't want anything, anything between us and God, especially when I stand before you on judgment day. You say, well, what if they reject me? If I go and ask them to forgive me, what if they reject me? That's not your problem. That's their problem. It's your problem to just go and get it put right and then, and then you trust the rest to God. But you now will be able to stand with your head lifted high and be able to look Jesus in the face. I tell people all the time, the important thing is not how you look people in the face, but can you look Jesus in the face and know that you've settled the debt, that it is that you've got things put right. So it's a huge call to you this morning. If you're here this morning and you say, John, I've got to admit this sermon troubles me, but I know I need God's help to put it right. I want you to just come up and kneel at the altar right now. It's going to take a lot of guts. It's going to take a lot of guts to do that. Is there anyone that says, yeah, I'm going to do that? No, you've been hurt. No, you've been let down. anything causing your heart to beat right now and say I can't run from this any longer if I'm a follower of Jesus I can't carry this any longer coming to this altar is only the start of course this is where you get the power to go and put right what you know you need to get put right Someone may be struggling with God right now. 
a good place to have conversation with God. Welcome home. You're home this morning. And it's a good place to get your conversation with God and say, God, I'm going to do what you're asking me, but I need your help. Well, last time I'm asking, because we're going to go on into communion in a moment, I'm going to pray with these who are at the front. But if, if you are sitting there and you're saying, God is speaking to me right now, I need to be up at that altar. If the truth is known, I need to be at that altar. You, you may be a worker in the church. You may be working on the systems. You may be on the desk or you may be on the worship. I, I don't care where you are this morning. If God is speaking to you, don't, don't let this moment go. It's too important for you to let this moment pass. Saying, Jesus, help me now. The very fact that you come to this altar is a sign that God is moving in on your situation. God bless you. God is moving in on your situation right now and he's going to give you power because you're doing what he asks you to do. He's going to give you the strength and the power to do it. You're going to find divine help in this. You're not on your own. As you make the call, as you write the letter, as you do whatever you've got to do to just say, I've got to clear myself of this. I'm going to tell someone that I forgive them or I'm going to ask them to forgive me and I'm going to walk away in peace. Their rejection of you is not your responsibility. You just do what God wants you to do and leave the rest with Him. He can handle them. He'll take care of them. I want you to know, you doing what is right is going to stir something in them that will cause them maybe to do something that's right. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. You know, people are still coming forward. I don't want to go on unless you would come. How many sense the Holy Spirit's in the room right now? Right now, He's moving. He's moving amongst the congregation. The balcony is not too far for you to come down here. You need to do it. If God is stirring your heart, you need to do it. Now, Father, in your name, I pray that you will, at this moment, not only give these wonderful people the sense of power to do what they know they've got to do, but you will grant Lord, protection over their minds and over their bodies as they do it. That God, they will not respond to any bad attitudes that may come back against them. But that they will sense I'm doing what God wants me to do. And I'm going to walk away clean. I'm going to walk away looking God in the eye. No, everything's okay. Father, will you hear my cry? And right now, let forgiveness flood from these people into the environment that will change their world. Father, hear my cry. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, you don't need to leave the altar. You can stay there if you want to stay there. We're going to get to communion right now in a few moments. But let me just say this to everyone, whether you're at the altar or whether you're out there in the congregation, I I am going to pray with you. I'm going to pray every day for you. And we've set up a text number so you can just ask for prayer. You're saying, John, pray for me. All you have to do is to text prayer, the word prayer, to 309-518-1717. That will come to me and I will be praying for you, all right? So I I wanted this to happen. So get that, get your phones out sometime and just text prayer to 309-518-1717 and I'm going to be praying for you that you will have strength and courage to do what God wants you to do. Now here's what's going to happen now, friends, as we come to communion. You're at Riverside We ask you to come and partake of communion. You come and take a piece of bread and take a cup. And uh, you either can kneel at the altar or go back to your seat. Um, 
then at the end, if you pass your cups along to the end of your row, they're going to come in and collect them in. So that's going to happen now. And then once services come into the end, there's a prayer team here that want to pray with you. Now, it's not just for forgiveness or, or the unforgiveness thing that I've talked to you about this morning. It's for anything. If you need healing for your body, if you need um, prayer for direction, if you need prayer to come to know Jesus in a real way so that you know that your sins have been forgiven, this prayer team that will stand at the front following communion will then be able to minister to you. Prayer team, as soon as communion's done, you make your way forward. I want us to sing a song that some of you haven't sung for years, but it's a song of surrender. It's saying, God, can I say I've enjoyed listening to this sermon this morning? I can't say I've enjoyed listening to it, God, but I know it's from heaven. And I want you to know I surrender to the word of God. I surrender all to you. And so before we take communion, let's stand together. I'm going to pray. And then as the song starts, you can start to come and get communion this morning. Father, I pray in your name. I thank you for your help. Oh God, this word may have not been easy for people to listen to. I definitely didn't find it easy to preach. But Lord God, I pray that your word will settle in all our hearts. That we will be the people you want us to be. And that there'll be nothing between God. That it will be that we can look you in the face. Our Savior and our Lord. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Be free now to come and partake of the...